0: All right, if you guys want to turn to Acts 1, Acts in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts. So we're in week three of the Holy Spirit series that we've been working in. And this is a five week series that we're going to take the first, the next couple of weeks to work on the first five messages. We'll take a break from the Holy Spirit series, we're going to look into the book of Ephesians, and the implications of the book of Ephesians and the Word of God in our lives for that. And then after that, we're going to go into the second five messages of the Holy Spirit series, and we'll wrap that up sometime in July, I believe. So we've got a little bit of a long road ahead of us, but um, this is only the first, this is uh, lesson number three out of a ten-week series, and we're only going to do five weeks at, at this time. So week one was looking at who the person in the work of the Holy Spirit was. Remember, we, we talked about the Holy Spirit was, in the Greek, they used the word paraclete. And paraclete was the understanding of, 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 of a helper, an encourager, an advocate, a champion, someone who comes alongside to help, someone who comes alongside to you in your need. And our understanding of the Holy Spirit isn't this kind of like Star Wars force kind of thing going on, that this impersonal thing that you have to tap into, but... It's the very Spirit of God that God gives to His people. And so the, the, the person of the Holy Spirit's not an it. He's a who. And then last week we looked at the Holy Spirit as God's personal presence in the believers. We looked at 1 Corinthians 3.16 and we looked at how that, that talks about the, whole, the believers are the temple of the Holy Spirit, of Almighty God dwelling inside of us. And the significance of what does that mean for our lives? That the Holy Spirit dwells in believers. That the Holy Spirit for the for the first century church was the authentication that God had come, that God had shown up, that God had changed someone's life. And then this week, we're looking at the Holy Spirit is the presence of the future. Now you're going to see in your notes um, a lot of things. We're not going to necessarily go through every single item on your notes, but. Those notes should help you as you look back over the message this week or next week, whenever you do that, to really see what that's talking about. It gives you more understanding. Um, on the back of those sheets, if you want to turn those over, there's also the slides that Joe's um, desperately working on to get up for us on the slide when those come due. But So when I begin to talk about the slides, they're also on the back of your sheet, so it gives you better understanding. Now, in this Holy Spirit series, I just want to make this clear. This Holy Spirit series was... Originally written and done for the Cross Point Church in Crown Point, which is our sister church, and John Leitzel and my brother Dave um, did a lot of work in this series to put together the notebooks, to put together the messages and the handouts and and all these all these things. So, I've I've not produced the the, the handouts that you guys are getting. I've not produced the workbooks. That's all been done by um, primarily John Leitzel and my brother as well. And so. But these are the things I feel like God is saying to our church at this time. What is our understanding of the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? We've seen the Word of God talking a lot about the Holy Spirit, but yet so often in our lives it means very little because we don't know what does this mean. It's this kind of this vague thing of the Holy Spirit, and it's out there, and we know the Holy Spirit's there, but how does it impact our lives? How does it affect us daily? So that's why we're going through this series to really see what does this mean. So today we're going to look at the Holy Spirit as a presence of the future. We're going to look at a passage in Acts, in Acts 1, that will give us perspective on what God is doing when certain things happen differently in life than we think they should, and why He has given us the Holy Spirit. So let's look at Acts 1. The book of Acts is written by Luke, and Luke wrote the Gospel with his name on it. He also wrote the book of Acts. And so Luke is the beginning of what Jesus was doing on earth, and the book of Acts is in the continuation of what Jesus was doing after he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. So let's read Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So we see in the book of of Acts, this is the continuation of what Jesus is doing on the earth through the person and work of the Holy Spirit in the believers' lives. And Jesus is still at work on the earth today through the same things, through believers, through the person of the Holy Spirit. He's continuing the ministry of Jesus Christ through believers' lives like you and I. When we put our faith in Christ, as Adam had talked about today, we put our faith in Christ Something happens in us when we believe that the wrath of God that, that we deserve because of our disobedience to God wasn't just dissipated somehow, it was put upon Jesus Christ on the cross. And so that wrath of God that we deserve because of our rebellion to God was put upon Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's why it was such a horrific death. Because the wrath of God, we can see the, 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 the death of our sin by the wrath of God that was poured out upon Christ taking it all upon his body so that when we put our faith in Christ and say, that was for me, that death was for my sin, that was payment for me, for my rebellion. That sin that we committed is covered over because it was d- redirected to Jesus Christ instead of ourselves. And something, something happens at that moment when we believe that to be true. Not only are our sins forgiven, And not only are we made new again, but he says he puts within us his Holy Spirit and gives us the strength and the power to walk in obedience. And so he's using us as believers in the same way that he used the first century apostles and disciples in the church to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ. And we learn about the Holy Spirit, not just so we can add more knowledge, we have better understanding, although that's important, we want a better understanding... Well, so we can begin to put this into practice into our everyday lives. We want the power of the spirit of Jesus Christ to live in us and dwell in us. Now, before Jesus was taken up into heaven, he began to talk about the disciples' important things that he wanted them to know. He didn't just go up into heaven and say, hey, by the way, I'm leaving. See you later. Go tell some people about me. No, he began to communicate to the apostles at that time some important things. And we see in verse 3, if you look at verse 3 with me, he begins, he begins to talk to them about some important things. And at the end of verse 3, he says this, And appearing to them during 40 days after, his, after he rose from the dead, being with his disciples, his apostles, he begins speaking about the kingdom of God. And now if we look in verse 4, which we're going to read in just a second, he also says this in verse 4. And I want to see you guys, this, these verse 3 and verse 4 are connected. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. And this promise from the Father was this empowerment by the Holy Spirit to live our lives in obedience to Almighty God. And there's this connection. Jesus is making this connection between the coming of the kingdom of God and the coming of the Holy Spirit, empowering us to live our lives inside this kingdom of God. And what he's saying is the coming of the Holy Spirit is the coming of the kingdom of God in your lives. These two are connected. They're, you can't separate the two. And the disciples understood this because they were expecting some things, and we're going to read about that in the next few verses. Let's look at what verses 3 through 6 read. Going back to verse 3, so we can get the context here. To them he presented himself alive after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while, he, and while staying with them, okay, so staying with them, if you have an NIV, it's while eating with them. If you have an ESV Bible, English Standard Version, you'll see while staying, there's the one, there's a footnote on the bottom. You go down to the footnote or eating, okay? so he is, So he's eating with them. He's staying with them. He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Now I want to just make a few side notes about this interaction Jesus has with his disciples. Number one, I love this. While he was eating with them, while he was eating with them, so often our understanding of the way that God can speak to us in our lives sometimes can be limited to a prayer meeting, a missions trip, and a powerful church service, something that's something that's you know that we've organized, we've put together. This 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 is how God speaks through these means. And here we see Jesus with his disciples, not at a prayer meeting, not at some other. You know, mission trip that they're going on, not, not with masses of people coming around to, to teach them and to talk to them. He's just simply eating a meal with his disciples, simply hanging out with his disciples. And here the word of God comes to them. Jesus begins to speak to them through just a simple, simply eating a meal. And I think so often in my own life, I, my understanding of the way that God speaks to us is through the times when I'm on a missions trip and all these other big kind of meeting things. But yet, Jesus can speak to us right where we are at in whatever, in whatever situation we're doing. Whatever we're doing, Jesus can speak. You can be at a meal with some friends, and God can use your friends to bring an encouragement or a verse or a word from the Lord that would change and transform our lives. Because God's not limited to meetings. He's not limited to just our hour and a half on a Sunday morning. He's not limited to our prayer meeting on Wednesday night. He's not limited to a missions trip once a year for a week. God's Word knows no bounds. And so God can speak whenever He wants. And so we see here Jesus sitting down, eating a meal, begins to instruct His disciples. And not only that, we also see, He says this, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. That being the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And although the disciples saw the risen Lord, they experienced the risen Lord. They seen Jesus Christ. They experienced his very presence in their lives. Yet for them, they still had to live by faith. They still had to live by faith in the promise of God. It wasn't like Jesus showed up and everything was fixed. He says, no, 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 I want you to wait. They still had to live by faith in the promises of God. John Leitzel has this quote, He says this, often we want to think that our believing will lead to receiving without waiting. We want to believe or we want we want to we want believing to replace or substitute for waiting. But God intends us to wait as an act of believing. Believing empowers our waiting. It does not eliminate our waiting. So we live in faith by what God has told us to do. Even though they've seen the risen Lord, he says, you still need to live by faith. And we today still need to live by faith. It's still a call of God in our lives to live by faith. Now, looking at this connecting the spirit in the kingdom, Jesus begins to speak about the spirit in the kingdom and the disciples automatically have a Jewish understanding of what that looks like. That's why in verse six, the disciples ask Jesus, if you see in verse six, they say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? If you want to show the slide, if we, were you able to find that slide? Great. Show the slide. Are you looking at the back of your, of your notes? It's interesting. They ask him, Lord, will you restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? But if you look at what Jesus is talking about in verse 3, he's not talking about the kingdom of Israel. What is he talking about? He's talking about the kingdom of God. So here they are. They may have wanted to hear one thing. You ever, if you ever talked to someone and you you think they're going to say something so you hear them say that, but that's not what they said? They said something different? I think this is what's happening with the disciples in, in Jesus Christ. Their understanding of the kingdom of God was, was oh, it's for us. It's just for us. It's just the kingdom of Israel, right? You're not talking about everyone else. You're talking about us. This is my understanding of of God's kingdom coming is just for me. And their understanding of this kingdom of God, or this understanding for them was the kingdom of Israel, was an immediate return to the golden age of Israel. This expectation that Jesus would show up, the end would come, the reign of of Israel would would rise up, break the yoke of, of bondage of the pagan Roman empire at that time that was ruling over them, would set the fortunes of Israel aright again, that there'd be prosperity for Israel, the rule of God in Israel over all the earth through them. And it was this immediate rain on earth for them. And that was their understanding of these things. Now, the interesting thing, I think if I was Jesus at that time, thankfully I'm not, right? I was not just, he would say, guys, you're, you're missing the whole, I'm not talking about, the, I'm talking about the kingdom of God here. And you guys are over here talking about the kingdom of Israel and trying to, what's in it for you. And how are you going to be blessed by this and how are your fortunes going to return? He has every opportunity to rebuke them and correct their understanding of this of restoration. But he doesn't do that. He has every opportunity to do that, but he does not do that. He simply corrects their understanding that they can determine the timing of when this is going to happen. Look in verse 7. Look at what he says in verse 7. So instead of correcting them, saying, hey guys, you've completely misunderstood what I'm talking about, he says this. He said to them, this is Christ." It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. So he kind of throws a curveball at them. They're expecting, hey, God, you know, what's this going to look like? He says, no, no, no. Don't assume the spirit is going to bring back the fortunes and reigns of Israel. Don't just assume that because I'm telling you to wait for the for the Holy Spirit to come and for the kingdom to come, that automatically everything's going to work out in your favor. It says, some things are not good for us to know. The timing of it is not good for you to know. It would be like knowing when you're going to die. That wouldn't be a good thing for you to know. It would not be a good thing. But we ask God the same questions, don't we? God, when am I going to find a job? God, when am I going to get married? When, when will I get out of this financial mess? God, when will I? I remember in my own life a time when I was single and... Um, I felt like in my heart, like Michelle, who was living in, in Knoxville. I was living in Highland at the time. I felt like, man, this is the woman for me. I want to be with this girl. I love this girl. She's just absolutely amazing. So I work up the guts to um, call her home group leader at the time and say, hey, I'm interested in this girl, Michelle. I think she's awesome. She's beautiful. She loves the Lord. She's everything I've ever wanted in a girl. And he's like, hey, great, that's excellent. You know what, let me, let me just kind of prep her, see you know, how that things go, and then I'll get back to you in a couple of days. So I'm like, great, things, you know, this guy likes me, it's a good thing. Um, he'll put in a good word for me. You know, it's a lock, right? Mm-hmm. So I get a call back from him in two days, and he's like, hey, I got some news for you. I'm like, sweet, things are going good. He's like, actually, um, this other guy in the church just asked her out like yesterday or the day before. And he's a leader in the church. He's an extremely godly guy, and she's really excited about her about the possibility of dating this guy. I'm like, are you serious? What's the deal? I mean, come on! I really felt like a rise of faith. Like, this was going to be this is a good thing. Lord, you wanted me to do this, and here you've completely deflated. I mean, there's no doubt that she's going to end up marrying this guy. I mean, who wouldn't want to marry this guy? He's just, he's an all American and all this stuff. And um, so I remember at the time just praying, like, Lord, what did you have me to do? What, what should I do? And at that time, at that season of my life, I felt like the Lord was calling me to, to fast for a month from different things. And so, you know, I'm still going to honor that, that call to fast for different things and, and just wait on God. And, and in that time, in that, the next few weeks, I remember I was driving a truck in Valparaiso, a Leap's delivery truck. And we're, I'm going down some country road, and I'm all by myself. Those of you who have ever driven a Leap's truck, you know what I'm talking about. Um And so I'm driving this truck and I've got, I've got a place to go, but I'm praying to Lord like, Lord, what's the deal? Why why did you, why did I, why, why did you, why did I have a rise of faith to do this? What was, what was the point of this thing? And I felt like at that time, the Lord spoke to me and it was not an audible voice, but it was, it was sure enough, close enough that I looked behind me to see if anyone was behind me. I was like, Whoa. And here's what the Lord said. He just simply said, wait three months. Wait three months. Now, he didn't say wait three months and then this will happen. Wait three months and she's going to end up marrying this guy so you can just forget about it. Wait three months and and uh, I'll bring someone else in your life or wait three months and everything's going to work. He didn't say any of that. He just said, wait three months. I said, okay, I'll, I'll wait three months. I can't believe I, that was just, I clearly heard from you on that. And so I waited three months. And after that, Michelle ended up breaking up with this guy. And so I was like, sweet. This is, okay, this is good. But now what, Lord? I mean, I don't want to be like, you know, hey, I heard you broke up with this guy. We want, you know. But again, I heard the Lord say, wait another month. And so the thing was, at that, at that time, I could have obsessed about, Lord, what is it you're going to do, Lord? What do you, what's going to happen at the end of three months? And it has been wrapped my mind around, God, what's going to happen? What are you going to do? What's, how's this going to work out? And, and obsessed over it. But at that time in my life, I was planning an international missions trip to go to the Dominican Republic. And so the, God had given me that to do. And if I would have obsessed and just wrapped my brain around this thing with Michelle and just allowed it to consume me, it would have not profited the church or the youth group or the families or, or the, the missions experience for everybody. Because I was so, but I felt like the Lord said, get on with what I've given you to do. You need to live by faith. You need to trust me to work things out. Whether that be her getting engaged to this guy and clearly knowing, hey, this is not from the Lord or whatever else it may be. And so I, was, the Lord had given me some things to do and I just said, okay, I need to throw myself into what the Lord, I know the Lord has given me to do and walk in faith in that and not obsess over what I don't know. And so I did that. And the Lord allowed us to have an incredible missions trip. If I would not have if, if given myself head that time to plan and prepare, it would have been a disaster. But I believe the Lord used that, that time, that planning, that preparation, that, that prayer, that, all that into that to really be a blessing to the church. Now, God may not answer your timing questions. He may, but He probably won't answer your timing questions. Instead, He may be asking you, whose kingdom comes first? Whose kingdom is most important? Are you going to get about doing the things that I've given you to do, or are you going to obsess over your own kingdom, doing the things that you want to do, doing the things that that are most important to you, versus, God, what have you given me to do that is important to you? Lord, what is it you've given me to do? Now, looking at verse 8. Moving on, looking at verse 8. Jesus goes on to tell them what the baptism with the Spirit will mean for them. It does not mean immediate restoration of the kingdom of Israel. But he says it does mean this in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So to summarize this this little interaction with the disciples, they basically say, Jesus, are you going to restore the fortunes of Israel, the rule and reign of Israel? Is that what you're planning on doing? And Jesus says, the baptism of the Spirit doesn't necessarily mean that, but here's what it does mean, that you will receive power to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. It does mean that you will receive power from the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. And the evidence of this power and what has happened at that time is the result of us sitting here today. We're the result of, of this baptism that these, d- these disciples experienced at that time. These, these few men that surrounded Christ, that received this power, that waited by faith, that stepped out in obedience to what God had called them to do, not obsessing over their own kingdom, not obsessing over what is this, what's in it for me, but getting on with God's call them to do. We're the result of that today. That kingdom that started with a few guys in Israel, today is over the whole earth. This message has gone gone out from from Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. It has gone out to all places and all corners. And so we're the result of this. Now, we're going to look at the the next slide. And this is the apostolic perspective of the kingdom. So the kingdom of God did not mean the, the instant, immediate Return of the fortunes of Israel. But it did mean this, that we live between the times. That we live in the, the not yet. We live in the now, but the not yet. The kingdom of God is coming, and it's growing, and it's advancing. But it's not fully here just yet. So this in between time that we live. We live by faith in Jesus Christ, in the power of the Spirit. And the Spirit brings the reign and rule of the King. So we live in that between time. And so the Spirit comes so that God's kingdom would come. That is, that His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That God's reign and rule would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Progressively. Not always immediately, but progressively. It's progressive instead of instantaneous. And He does this with our lives. He says, I want to bring my kingdom not only in your life, I want to bring it in your family, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces. And I want there to be a progressive growth of my rule and reign, not only in your life, but in all the areas that, you, that surround you, all the areas that you come in contact with. I want this rule and reign to grow. I want this to increase. I want to be more of a, a demonstration, more of a, a realization that Jesus Christ is reigning and ruling in heaven by what we see on earth is saying, look, there's a growth here. So the spirit is, con- is the connection between the time when the God's glory will fill the whole earth, as the waters cover the sea, and the coming in the present age. He is the presence of the future. Now, looking in verse four, we read this. He says, "Wait for the promise of the Father, which He said you heard from Me." Now, this promise, then, we see in Acts two. If you want to turn over to Acts two real quick, Acts two sixteen and seventeen. The, the outpouring of the Spirit is the evidence that the last days have come. Okay, So Acts two sixteen and 17. We read this. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So this is after the this Holy Spirit had come upon the believers. They began speaking in tongues, glorifying God in all different languages, going out into the streets and people are like, what is going on? What's happening? There's something, there's something only of God that is, is at work here. It says, and in the last days it shall be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams Says the last days. He says, that's not some future time. That's right now. We're living in the last days. That could be said of us as well. We're living in the last days. We're living in this outpouring of the spirit, just like they experienced. Turn over to acts two, verse 33 Peter also says this, "...being therefore exalted at the right hand of God..." He's talking about Christ. "...and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing." See, this is the outpouring of the Spirit. Jesus has taken His throne. He has begun to rule. He has begun to use believers to advance that kingdom." And so we, so the disciples understood that, that kingdom coming, that Jesus' reign and ruling would look a particular way for them. That God would change their fortunes around them. But yet, very little around them had changed. They were still facing persecutions, still facing imprisonments, still facing beatings. The world around them had not changed very much. And so they were expecting this kingdom of God to come and change everything around them favorably so they could serve the purposes of God in this kingdom that was changed around them. However, instead, this is what God did. God came and filled them and changed them so they could serve his purposes in his kingdom that around them hadn't changed very much. Do you guys see that? This is This is the difference between God saying... Us saying to God, look, God, I'll serve you when things are going favorably for me. When that, that annoying person at work who drives me nuts, that I cannot get along with, who talks bad about everyone, I know he's talking about me. I can't stand this person. Look, if you can get rid of this guy, I can finally be able to serve you at work. Or if you, if you fix my finances, I'll be able to finally obey you and, and, and be able to, to serve and to give and to bless other people. God, if you would just fix my circumstances around me, then I'll be able to serve you. And what God is saying to his disciples is this. I'm going to change you so that in the midst of your circumstances, God is going to do something in you to bring about his kingdom wherever you're at. So instead of asking, Lord, please help this guy next to me get fired so I can serve you at work, God may say this. I'm going to change you. So that in the midst of hardship at work, you are going to be able to befriend and bless and care for this person you work with. I'm going to change you. I'm more concerned with you and your heart than about somehow changing all the circumstances around you so everything lines up favorably so you can easily serve the purposes of God. He says, no, 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 I'm going to go at work on you. And my kingdom's going to come into you. And then you're going to be the agent of bringing my purposes and my kingdom to your work, to your families, to church, to your neighborhoods. And I'm going to use you to do it. It's not quite what you expected. You are expecting me to change everything around you. But instead, I'm going to change you. Because when we begin to ask, Lord, change this situation, change this situation, do this. What we're really asking for is, God, let my kingdom come. Let my will be done. Would I pray that my kingdom would be advanced on the earth? Would I pray that you would work things all out for me? Here's what I think is best. So therefore, please do it so it's easy for me. And this changes the way that we pray. Because now we can begin to pray, Lord, help me to advance your kingdom right where I'm at. Lord, change me. Change my heart for my coworkers. Change my heart for my neighbors. Change my heart for my spouse and my kids. Change my heart for my friends. I want to serve you in the midst of this. God, do a, let your kingdom come in me. Let your kingdom do a work inside of me. Now God's kingdom is here, but it's not fully here. And the Holy Spirit is here, but the work of the Spirit is not fully and yet complete it's not coming all at once. So there's the waiting for the rest of the promise. So being baptized with the Holy Spirit does not mean we're immediately employed. It does mean that we have the strength to go out and find employment. It does not mean that the, the co-worker loses his job. It means that God gives us the strength to bless and befriend them and to care for them. Now, God's Spirit is a, is also the promise of fulfillment. Look at 2 Corinthians 1. You, know, you don't have to turn there. 2 Corinthians 1, 21-22. This is, what is, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has put a seal on us and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Ephesians 1, 13-14. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Now, back in Paul's day the seal that he is talking about was the seal as a sign of possession, a sign of ownership. And someone would take their most valuable possessions and place like a signet ring, like a seal, into wax or into lead that would identify that these things belong to the person who owned the seal. They'd also do their important possessions. They would even put seals upon slaves and livestock, and they would mark them as belonging to someone. Or in commerce, it would mean there would be a shipment that would go from one place to the next, and they put the seal on this shipment to show that it was not tampered with. Is showing that it was guaranteed that this is what the real deal is inside of here. No one messed around with this. No one changed this. And being baptized with the Holy Spirit does not bring about immediate redemption of our bodies. We still grow old. We still get sick. We still struggle in life. But it's a guarantee that we have received redemption. It is a guarantee. It's God's seal, God's stamp. The Holy Spirit's God's stamp upon our lives. It's a promise that we belong to God, that God is our owner, that we are God's property, that we are God's temple. God has put a seal upon us and that seal is the Holy Spirit. Just like they they would seal these things and impress upon these, these objects that they belong to someone, God does that through His Holy Spirit in us. He says, now you belong to God. And this seal, this marker that you have means that you belong to God. Now the Holy Spirit is not just given to empower our waiting for the ultimate redemption and for the kingdom to come but it's also for Holy Spirit-empowered working. So we wait for the redemption of God. We wait for the kingdom of God. We believe that the kingdom of God is coming, not only in in, an immediate way in the second coming of Christ, but through advancing the gospel and advancement of His kingdom and growth. We believe that, but it's also empowering us to work within this kingdom. The working in God's kingdom is, is, is two things. It's one, it's for us as witnesses to Jesus, Number two is this, as warriors against the kingdom of evil and an opposing injustice and evil in all its forms. So There's just two aspects to this. There's a, a witnesses, we as witnesses and ambassadors of Christ, but there's also opposing injustice on the earth, opposing evil on the earth. So the Spirit uses God's people, uses us to fulfill God's promises. Instead of just changing the circumstances, He's changing us. In using us to bring about his kingdom on the earth. Not only do we wait in faith. Believing that his kingdom will grow. As we we walk in obedience. We believe yes Lord. Your kingdom will come to my work. Your kingdom will fill my neighborhood. Your kingdom will fill our family. We believe that. And we pray for that. Say God let your kingdom come. But we also believe Lord it's going to come through us. Being kingdom people. Being sealed and marked with the Holy Spirit. We'd walk in obedience to the Lord. We'd work for those things. Acts 1 verse 8 says this. This is Christ Jesus. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And as people of God, we are about God's kingdom, not our kingdom. We're about advancing the purposes of God on this earth and in our lives, not about advancing our own means, our own desires, our own purposes, or our own kingdom. We're about the kingdom of God. So the question I ask you today to consider, a couple of things. Do we want this power, this this filling of the Spirit as Jesus talked about, so that we can better serve God's purposes? Do we want this, this, Lord, to fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I can serve your purposes, not just serve my purposes or my kingdom, but God, would, you, would I be able to serve your purposes? Do we want this power so we can be witnesses for Christ, so we can share the gospel, so we can boldly declare what God has done in our lives, what God is doing through people, what God is at work doing, you want that boldness to do that. And what specific situation can you think of in your own life that you believe, you know what, I've been praying for this situation to change, and now I'm beginning to realize that, God, maybe your, your desire is to change me in the midst of the situation so that I would be the agent to bring your kingdom into the situation. What situation in your life is that? Can you apply that to in your life? I think we've all got situations in our life like that. That we say, Lord, change me. Help me to bring your kingdom. And that's usually not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. So as we pray and close, I want us to consider those things. Lord, how can you change me in this situation? How can I be an ambassador for you in your kingdom? Let's pray. Lord, we ask you this morning, God, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, Lord, I pray that as, as, as your ambassadors, as your people, Lord, that we would truly be changed and affected and empowered by your spirit. God, to, to bring the kingdom of God wherever we go. God, whether that be in our neighborhoods or workplaces or with our friends or our family. Lord, let us bring your kingdom wherever we go. And Lord, I pray that we would be affected and changed by your spirit. Lord, empower us, embolden us. Lord, help us to love and to care, to stand up against injustice and evil. And Lord, I pray that you would empower us through your spirit, O God just like you did through the first century believers. God, I pray that we would truly live these things out, that we would be affected by your word, and Lord, that we would be changed for your glory and for the good of the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen.